Next on Making Sense of the Madness, we'll dive deeply into the transhumanist agenda behind the so-called vaccines with Jason Burmis. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda. But first, an AMP alert from Josh Reed. This is Josh Reed with your daily AMP alert, keeping you updated, notified, and up to speed on the state of our nation leading up to the November primaries. The United States has only 25 days of diesel supply left. The shortages could cripple the economy. The diesel supply has only 25 days left, according to a top White House official. The data provided by the Energy Information Administration, EIA, shows that diesel stockpiles are at their lowest level for October in records that date back to 1993, according to Bloomberg. News analysis shows that EIA data United States, as of October 14th, has only 25.4 days of supply, down from 34.2 days of supply four weeks prior. The National Economic Council Director Brian Deese, a top advisor to the illegitimate President Joe Biden, told Bloomberg News last week that the current diesel levels are unacceptably low and that all options are on the table. Most of the products we use are transported by trucks and trains with diesel engines, and most construction, farming, military vehicles, and equipment also have diesel engines. So this is a massive, massive emergency right now in the United States of America where our supply chain could come to a halt immediately because of the diesel fuel shortages. Keep watching for more of your daily AMP alerts. I am Josh Reed. Jason Burmis is with us, a documentary filmmaker and citizen journalist who will be joining us every week as a contributor. Jason, so great to have you here. Wanted to get your feedback on the recent Boston University gain-of-function experiment. How on earth was that legal and allowed to happen? And, you know, especially with what we've been through recently, and any comment on the timing of the news right around the midterms, it seems like just a, a little implicit threat from the deep state that, hey, we can kill you all if we want to. Yeah, it's almost like an exercise in total and complete humiliation and a representation of the command control authoritarian society we're under, right? We, we all understand right now that Joe Biden doesn't run anything. Uh, the things he's saying in public show that he's got severe dementia. Obviously, Kamala Harris also not at the helm. And yet these things are happening right in front of us where they're saying, you know what, we are going to do gain of function and we are going to have bioweapons labs, not only via secure uh, facilities, but also in conjunction with these university entities. And that's OK, because we're in charge now. That's what I feel this is. I, I, I can't say it any more uh, brazenly than that. I think, again, I'm one of those people that is not just a lab leak hypothesis guy. I believe there's no doubt that this was engineered in a lab, but also at Chapel Hill amongst Wuhan in conjunction because this goes beyond the nation state. And the idea of a leak is also absurd. Uh, this to me was obviously seeded and its response was really um 
what we got. That's what the plan was. And we're still under so many aspects of this COVID-1984 nightmare. So I think it was brazen. I'm glad it has come out in the media, but we'll see if there's any consequences for this because so far we have not seen any type of actual Department of Justice consequences for these things because I would argue this is part of the Defense Department. Right. I agree. It's the deep state flexing and showing their true control. And yet, media downplaying this, you don't have citizens uh, protesting outside of Boston University. It's just kind of going over people's heads how significant it is. And we have a new story in Maryland, a government funded uh, laboratory plans on doing gain of function on monkeypox to give it gain of function and make it more deadly. So uh, just, it just keeps coming out right now, right around the midterms when the Democrats know they're going to lose. It's just so obvious. And so it looks like there's another, another method of control that's not political that they're, they're showing and they're flexing. Uh, any further comment on the Maryland experiment on monkeypox? Well, if we're going to look at that, obviously we have to look at a wide range of things because we don't know the half of what has been done over the past few decades when we talk of, about, quote unquote, gain of function. That's really a semantical term for building bioweapons. Biowarfare is now almost entering. Well, first of all, it's been used throughout history. But the modern age via around World War II is almost a century old. And we know a fraction of the experiments that our own government has done via the 90s disclosure of things like the Department of Energy that seem like a, an innocuous organization, but they're involved in vast amount of experiments on United States citizens, both in the military and outside. Uh, one of the experiments that's you know out there is that they were dumping cadmium sulfite on people in major cities uh, via planes and also uh, on the streets via uh, vehicles and saying that they were running fog tests just to see what it would do. That's a small portion of the things these people have done. So monkeypox, COVID, um, that's just the beginning of what our government and other governments across the world have been involved in, in quote unquote, gain of function. Sure. It goes back to the Nazis doing their medical experiments. And in South Africa, uh, they experimented on uh, black people there, the Tuskegee experiments in the United States uh, as well. And yes, uh, I was also aware of the experiment you're talking about over San Francisco and other uh, cities uh, dropping these toxic chemicals on Americans just as a, an experiment without any type of consent. And now it's really out in the open. It's really part of modern warfare uh, they don't call it that, but that's what it is. And it makes you wonder about all those biolabs in, in Ukraine and perhaps uh, Taiwan and other places. This is part of uh, the global conflict that's unfolding. Well, recently, the CDC asked you know, a mother on the phone when they did a survey uh, how many vaccination-eligible children she had. So this is just really weird. It just shows after they've been really trying to get kids approved to get this vax, now they're, you know, <laughs> coming right out in the open trying to encourage uh, and get the data and then, I guess, persuade parents to, to do it. Uh, so any comment on that, Jason? Well, unfortunately, there has been a concerted effort from the very beginning of this 
to come for the children. And in many cases, they've successfully done it. Uh, there was a partnership early on with CNN and Sesame Street that was one of the most repulsive campaigns of fear-mongering and indoctrination I've ever seen. And maybe uh, I'm a little extra angry because obviously that's an institution that I grew up with and loved. And to this day, when I tune into late night television like Adult Swim, etc., they're still running ads with Elmo and his father about getting his kid vaccinated. All the studies, all the evidence out there that shows that the obviously the adverse events of this, what I would call a bioweapon, this is not a vaccine by any means. This is a Department of Defense-driven shot, whether it's vector-based or mRNA. It was never a vaccine. When we talk about semantics, gain-of-function, bioweapon, well, guess what? Uh, th these are not traditional vaccines. These are literally mRNA, DNA-changing technologies and beyond. Uh, they would be called gene therapy only years ago when the Defense Department actually partnered with DARPA. So I could actually bring that up really quickly for people to see. But there was a uh, $25 million development deal for these things that were never considered vaccinations. Okay, they tell you right here that the idea of using mRNA drugs is quite different. And when I say that this is bio, nano, really road to transhumanist or already transhumanist technology, that's not an over-exaggeration. Ray Kurzweil, who's really the author of the idea of singularity and um, a philosopher, if you will, on transhumanism, and by the way, the head of the immortality division at Google called Calico, he talks about how in only three days they sequenced what they would use the mRNA technology for, for the shots, and then started injecting it into humans because this is protein synthesis. So we're already in this bio-nano age that is beginning to change humanity as they put in warfare documents for real. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think is in the shots, just that technology in definition alone is bringing us into that era. Thank you for educating us uh, on that. We're gonna take a really quick break. When we come back, we're gonna dive into the surveillance aspect of it. So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliottphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com.
We are talking to citizen journalist and documentary filmmaker Jason Burmis all about the transhumanist agenda with the so-called vaccines that really are not vaccines at all. Tens of millions of U.S. citizens were given a COVID-19 decree violation score as a result of a data harvesting program conducted during the first lockdown by voter analytics firm PredictWise. These COVID-19 decree violation scores were calculated by analyzing nearly 2 billion GPS pings to get real-time ultra-granular location patterns. People who were on the go more often than their neighbors were given a high COVID-19 decree violation score, while those who mostly or always stayed at home were given a low COVID-19 decree violation score. So Jason, this reminds you quite a bit of communist China, doesn't it? Well, communist China is, in my opinion, the model. Okay, so in other words, the idea of track, trace, and database is really the norm in modern society. China has used that model to bring in a social credit score and authoritarian surveillance on a massive level where they can shut down literally millions of people and their society just like that. So that's the goal of whether you want to call it the Great Reset or a repackaged New World Order is. And I would argue that we can say it's communist China all day long. I mean, you're talking about well over a billion people, but we've seen aspects of that come into play here in the United States. Most outright, you can see it in the internet. For instance, Google, which is supposed to be a publicly traded company, and I would argue is anything but, it is a Trojan horse civilian system. It's literally a Russian doll system where you have Alphabet as the head, and then you have Google underneath, and you have YouTube under that, and you have other subdivisions, like I discussed earlier, like Calico, all working with the intelligence agencies. So NASA, for instance, partners with Google on AI and uh, quantum computing. These are obviously you know, vastly important who's going to remain dominant. Now, Google itself programs what the Chinese internet dragonfly that later comes here to the United States. Look how Google is censoring everything. This is a company that has the number one search engine in the world, the number one operating system, which would uh, be Android in the world, uh, the number one browser in the world, Chrome, the number one video platform in the world, YouTube, which is also the number two search engine in the world. It's beyond a monopoly. And it's working with the military industrial complex. So when we say China style, we're really talking about a military industrial complex utilizing the technocracy to enslave all of us. Yeah, and that cooperation with the private sector really smacks of fascism. Uh, but, you know, you said that China is the model, and it does seem like the surveillance state and all these deep state kind of surveillance mechanisms are way more advanced there. And in other countries, more advanced in other countries like Israel, for example, uh, than they are in the United States, and possibly even uh, Australia, you could say at one point, a senior government minister in Australia refused to rule out citizens being forced to wear electronic ankle bracelets, even if they were fully vaccinated, to make sure that they were complying with home quarantine orders. And conservative MP Jeremy Hunt, who was recently promoted to uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer, called for the government to use GPS tracking technology to ensure Brits were complying with COVID quarantine measures. And daily contact with these 
uh, asked to self-isolate using GPS tracking to monitor compliance if necessary. And then they used Taiwan and Poland as examples of other places where they had done this. In the UK and Australia, they've used drones to just make sure people are staying home and wearing masks. I mean, they're not afraid to use these types of technologies as a type of fascist authoritarianism. So any comment on the spectrum of different, any other countries you want to mention that are more advanced with this, uh, this clampdown and this surveillance state? Well, there's certainly a couple that you mentioned there that I want to highlight. For instance, when you talk about Israel, uh, the Israeli people were really treated amongst the worst in conjunction with the vaccination. You couldn't go into shopping centers and get food if you didn't have your up-to-date booster. And despite, again, all the studies coming out that this did not stop the spread, it didn't protect you, and many people were having terrible adverse uh, reactions still going on to this day. This is also a society that, because of what's happening with Palestine, has instituted automated weapons sharpshooter systems at checkpoints that are now being used today. So yes, they are also part of this model, bringing in this westernized style of it. And when you look at um, Australia, for instance, I would argue one of the reasons that they were amongst the harshest and then Canada was amongst the harshest of the lockdowns and restrictions via authoritarian measures, it's because they're unarmed, because of their gun uh, laws. And that's why the Second Amendment is really important in this country. And I'm far from the guy that has a gun collection. In fact, I, I, I'm the last guy that has that sort of thing. But you have to be ignorant not to understand why it's important that you have an armed citizenry that would challenge such measures as putting people in, into quarantine camps, which they did in both of those westernized nations, over not taking these shots or not taking tests or becoming positive via these tests that were suspect from the very, very beginning and proven to be vastly unreliable. Yeah, I'm just trying to connect the dots on what's common between these these countries, Australia, uh, Canada, and we even mentioned the UK there, uh, all Commonwealth countries. And then Australia and Canada have quite a few Chinese connections with the huge diaspora of Chinese people. Uh, the government's very, fr the government of China is very friendly with those governments. Uh, they like to do military exercises and do a lot of uh, commercial cooperation. So it makes you wonder how much of this is infiltration of Chinese, uh, Chinese government assets, you know, infiltrating these uh, governments. How much of it is uh, the globalists that are maybe are more like Davos based. Uh, how do you view the deep state? Do you view it all as one? Do you see competing factions? Can you help us try, try to understand who's influencing Canada and, and Australia to do this stuff? Because it, it just doesn't seem like something that's part of their culture of freedom loving. Well, I would argue this. This has been a collectivist model from the outset. And I made a film called Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined. And I talked about roundtable groups and basically how you would have these circles within circles of command and control power. Now, I would say the modern day version of globalism that incorporated the Chinese model, you can really uh, trace it back to David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, and the Nixon administration, where they felt they needed to bring them in. Now, uh, Rockefeller was also one of the founders of the Bilderberg Group, that, which is highly influential to this day. 
Now, there came a time where uh, David Rockefeller wanted to bring China and Japan and uh, these Asian interests into the fold, but the largely Anglo-American and still largely to this day, although you'll see representatives from China, et cetera, and more uh, of these Eastern globalist uh, organizations there as well, they were saying no at the time. So on a plane ride, actually, and you can uh, look this up in their own documents, over to one of the Bilderberg meetings with Zbigniew Brzezinski, they decided that they would create the Trilateral Commission. And the Trilateral Commission then brought those interests in. And basically, you saw a melding uh, via from the Nixon administration and uh, these kind of Kissinger uh, policies. For instance, Steve Bannon talks about that a lot, uh, emerging of our culture going over to China. In other words, our video games, our burger joints, our capitalism, Coca-Cola, blue jeans, right? But their authoritarianism starting to weed its way over here. And at the end of the day, what globalism really wants is not only that command and control and social credit score, but also to base that into this carbon system where Mother Earth is the most important. And the model of having a one-party system um, a, a total control system, a total surveillance system, one in which uh, digital tokens are there to purchase things and can be taken away at any time it is one that they will need to suppress what's left of humanity. And as they do that, they really want us to start merging with the technology. I, I know that's kind of a condensed version of it, but I'd encourage people to check out my documentary <laughs> films. It is a, and, uh, it is a lot to, to digest, but uh, we appreciate you're so good at explaining it. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you more about that because it seems like China, the angle that the communists in China are taking is not so climate friendly. They're not using that as their kind of belief system. Uh, but in Europe, the, the Davos crowd are really heavy on, on that carbon uh, counting side of it. So we'll, we'll discuss that as soon as we get back. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax-deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate-free, and they can provide income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate-lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We are talking to Jason Burmis about the different factions of the deep state. You know, the Chinese side, they seem to have the zero COVID policies and these other authoritarian policies. And they just expect you to follow the rules because that's what you do if you're a good Chinese citizen. You just do what you're told. Whereas in Europe, they have more of the 
oh, try to save the planet, take a cold shower to stop evil Russia. You know, it's always like sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Not because we told you so, but if you do break the rules, well, we're going to shut off your electricity and censor you and debank you and everything. So it's still there, but it's under this other guise. So how do you see this going moving forward, Jason? Well, I I certainly think that the lower rung and the middlemen, they can always be burned, right? Um, But at the same time, this agenda is rolling forward. And earlier, you mentioned the World Economic Forum. And the World Economic Forum is really important for nothing more than being the mouthpiece of the agenda. And right now, Klaus Schwab is having his heyday and his books are now being talked about and this agenda is out in the open. And he has already talked about how China is the model and will have the biggest seat at this table if they, in fact, get their agenda through. Now, you mentioned before the break that China does not seem to be beholden to this climate agenda. But really, when you think about it, none of us in the modern westernized world that are signing on to these things are really beholden in any way to this agenda other than a farce. Let me give you an example. We never count the carbon emissions of warfare. How many people are talking about all those missiles over in the Ukraine and Russian border right now and the carbon footprint of blowing up that pipeline or the carbon footprint of blowing up that bridge? It's not discussed. We run classified tests all the time in our country. They do in Russia and all of these other countries, again, that have militaries that sign on to this and they're not beholden to it. This is about controlling people and nothing more. And when they tell you, you will own nothing, well, someone will own it. And it will be these unelected, bureaucratic, globalist organizations that have been uh, erected through foundation dollars and globalism behind the scenes. And I suppose the oligarchs or the party leaders of that system would be the only ones who don't have to get the vaccines or don't have to follow the rules or can have private jets and transportation and all these things. Absolutely. And and that's just a small part of the hypocrisy we see every day, right? You got a guy like John Kerry, who I would argue has more, much more influence, much more power, is, is moving much more gears and mechanisms in front and behind the scenes for this agenda than Joe Biden ever could at this point, because Joe Biden's sleeping 14 hours a day. Let's, let's be adults about this. Now, Kerry, who's you know married into uh, the Heinz family early on, into this billionaire family, uh, became a political hero, ran for president, has been working with these agendas all over and still is. He does fly throughout the countries and get these treaties uh, that, again, benefit a very, very few people. And there's a great new uh, documentary out there by Truthstream Media talking about the royal family and the European influence in all of this throughout history that you have Prince Charles now that some say, oh, that's all nonsense, really. Because the government seems to pay for everything, and these agendas are pushed through uh, by eugenicists like Prince Philip, and now like him, who's calling for a Marshall Plan via this green agenda and a new Terra Carta. And this Terra Carta, again, is a system where Mother Earth and nature is more important than anything else, and we must bow to a system where carbon is the enemy, a literal life force on earth. And that's the biggest trick of these people. We talk about humiliation exercises early on. You have to be a fool 
to believe somehow that a natural gas on the planet is the biggest of all our woes when there really is pollution, when there really is dangers to nature via genetically modified organisms and that quote unquote gain of function we were talking about earlier. I think it's important that you mentioned Mother Earth as this kind of uh, almost religious type of belief system that they not necessarily they really believe, but that they're using as a marketing ploy and they want it to replace with our systems of belief and faith. And uh, I've also heard that the idea that it's space travel and going to Mars, uh, these types of things are kind of the transcendent uh, belief systems of these transhumanists and technologists. Uh, And I've heard Elon Musk kind of reference this idea that that uh, that's like the most important thing for humanity is to basically get the heck off of earth and get onto another planet. And that that's the most, you know, transcendent hope for humanity is to leave this planet. So, you know, could you comment on that, on their belief system? You know, how, how much of that is real? Do they really believe it? And how much of it is just a, a way to convince us to give up our own beliefs? So first of all, the idea of us traveling to moon and Mars has been really one that's been embedded with us via science fiction of all mediums for generations now. You go back uh, to even, let's argue the cave people, you know, at least they were thinking about it, that that may be what it is. Who knows whether it's history? I don't get into the ancient alien stuff because I think a lot of it's disinformation, but we've been promised Our grandparents have been promised that we're going to travel the stars. And I would argue in large, that's a front for what is actually going on behind the scenes. Annie Jacobson's done some really great books, started with Area 51 that talked about this underground military industrial complex, led her into Operation Paperclip, where the Germans and the Nazis were integrated into it and into DARPA and the Pentagon's brain. And now I believe her new book is going to be on transhumanism. And early on through the um, reading of HG Wells book, war of the worlds by Orson Wells and seeing the traumatic effects on society, just from that, they realized psychological warfare could be used on a mass scale. And they started to do so in my, uh, in my regards about space travel, about aliens And about what that all is and what was really going on is behind the scenes, they were doing biomedical experiments and they were weaponizing space. And now we're seeing the uh, uh, basically society come into fruition with that. And that is what this fourth industrial revolution is that they're talking about them pushing the technology they've worked on behind the scenes on humanity to try to get them to not only merge with machines, but absorb into this new metaverse idea. The World Economic Forum has a joint web page promoting it. Uh, Davos 2022 had two actual forums separately on that. In 2020, they had a forum called When Humans Become Cyborgs, Not If. So they're bringing this forward now from behind the scenes. That's what's happening. Very interesting that Elon Musk always ends up being central to these conversations because uh, talk about weaponization of space. I mean, his SpaceX company is the biggest contractor for the Department of Defense, and uh, his Starlink satellites have played a huge role in the war in Ukraine. He's 
donated them to Ukraine, which has been pivotal for their ability to. Yeah, it's almost like he's been blackmailed to, to let them use it. <laughs> because uh, if he doesn't, then they say that they're going to do all kinds of bad things to him, like put him on a kill list. But interesting that Elon Musk is like, you know, he seems to be anti-lockdown and anti, you know, forcing people to do things. When he when he's on social media, he thought uh, he really voiced concern about that type of uh, control over people. He, he said it disturbed him that people complied so easily. That's a direct quote from Elon Musk. So I have a clip I'm going to show you uh, of a Spanish scientist who says that he's discovered nanotechnology within the so-called vaccines. And he talks about it, all this data being collected from this type of nanotech going to some type of centralized server, and that he actually mentioned later in the video that he thought Elon Musk might have something to do with it. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to watch the clip first, and then we'll, we'll dig into it. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ricardo Delgado, and I am the founder and director of La Quinta Columna. All the vaccines tested, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Janssen and Moderna, contain exclusively nanotechnology. We have found nanorouters, which also emit MAC addresses that can be registered with Bluetooth wireless technology by just using your own mobile phone and the help of an app. We have found nanoantennas and plasmonic antennas for the amplification of these signals. We have also identified nanorectennas, which act as rectifier bridges of alternating, direct current, codecs, and certain logic gates for the encryption of these nanocommunications emitted from the inoculated individual to a remote server. The primary material for the elaboration of these microstructural complexes is graphene oxide, the presence of which is decisive for the self-assembly of these... So that video goes on for, it's a 10-minute video, you can check it out uh, online as well. Uh, but, you know, Jason, we talked before the show about these types of technical videos. It's really hard to verify any of this stuff. But from your perspective that you've dived into this type of uh, technocratic, uh, you know, stuff that's part of the belief system of the, the deep state, uh, does this seem aligned with something they'd want to do, even if uh, you can't verify if it's true or not? Does this seem aligned with their ultimate agenda? Because this scientist was saying that he believes that this type of tech can go into the brain, that these, these, this type of nanotech can attach onto neurons, that people will be able to do remote control of even behavior and thoughts and be able to actually collect things like memories and thoughts onto a centralized server. And uh, so t tell us about that, and then, and then we'll get into Elon Musk. Sure. So let's start with that technology. Uh, that's openly discussed via somebody like Ray Kurzweil, who essentially says the VR will be nanobots that are able to shut off your actual neurons and sensory system and implant another one where VR is not you wearing goggles or even an interface with a microchip within your brain, but injectable nanotech. So that is stuff that is being worked on and is in the, not only the spectrum of possibility, but probability uh, on a large scale in the next 20 years and openly discussed. Uh, the idea of the singularity is being discussed as soon as 2029, seven years from now. Now, circling back to Musk and being very much involved with this nanotech, he had CureVac 
And Curevac is the one that actually took this bio nanotech, this gene therapy, this mRNA technology, and replicated Elon Musk during this uh, COVID-1984 nightmare, increased his wealth 600%, better than all the other big boys. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Sergey Brin, even Bill Gates. Nobody did as well as Musk. So there is no doubt in my mind, you can tweet one thing, you're doing another. And this bio nanotech uh, was profited off of big time by Musk during this. Well, yeah, that is very confusing to me that uh, he, he seems to be a free speech proponent buying Twitter. And it seems like the, the old executive team doesn't even want that deal to go through. And we know that Twitter has been completely infiltrated uh, and that it is a control mechanism for the deep state. So it, this seems like a positive change if Musk takes over Twitter. Uh, it seems like Trump and people on the uh, other side are supportive of his takeover of, of Twitter. And Musk has you know, been interviewed by the Babylon Bee. He, he has seemed to be almost a part of our movement to a certain extent, uh, and, and so you're saying that he benefited financially, not because he was creating the most value through his companies, uh, but actually because he's, he's on the other team. I think he's totally on the other team. He's this, uh, benevolent billionaire that we're given, uh, as an antithesis to somebody like Bill Gates, right? Who obviously people are seeing more and more is a eugenicist and somebody who is not our friend who's taking over not all i mean bear and monsanto are something that he's invested in well over a decade none of this stuff is new uh, i had a 20-minute segment on gates alone all the way back in 2013 over nine years ago now when i put out shade the motion picture i'd encourage people to watch that as well but you look at Musk and how he made his fortune and it's every single one of these command and control ideologists for instance He's pro-climate change. He's pro-sustainability. He has a $15,000 trailer-like home he wants you to live in. Uh, he's a guy that basically, via you, you mentioned Starlink. Well, it's the highest concentration of Starlink in the world. That's a Defense Department contract. It's also putting up what? DARPA's blackjack program. So, you know, circling back to when we talked about this idea that we're going to the moon and we're going to Mars, he's a big proponent of that. But we have to look at the reality that rocket technology is not taking us there. Uh, for instance, Artemis was supposed to launch not with human beings, but dummies uh, several months ago now. And we're talking about they were going to put Snoopy on that. That's how cartoon level this is. And that was going to be before they actually put people up there and landed on the moon again. No other nation has done this via rocket technology. And I would remind people, I actually coincidentally have this book footprints of the moon by the AP back in the day, that Russia was dominating us in the space race. They had put up the first satellite um, that basically DARPA was created out of. ARPA, the precursor to DARPA, was created because the Russians put a satellite up there. They were also uh, the first to put a man in orbit, a multi-person space uh, unit in orbit, a woman in orbit. But yet, we have never seen anybody else use rocket technology to go to the moon, and I would argue um, China and Russia obviously have the same technology that we do. So what's really going on up there? And I, I don't must I don't think Musk is a moron and doesn't know about other types of propulsion systems, which by the way, 
are starting to be declassified by NASA, such as uh, ion propulsion systems. This is a fascinating discussion because uh, it does seem like Musk plays both sides, and it seems, but it seems like there's infighting going on uh, because you mentioned Bill Gates. He apparently has a massive short position against uh, Tesla, and uh, that doesn't make Elon Musk too happy. They're, they're feuding with each other. And uh, you're right, they're so opposite. Uh, everyone hates Bill Gates. He's kind of been the, the face of the deep state, like an Anthony Fauci type of character. And yet Elon Musk is like the most popular guy on social media. So he's the guy that everyone likes and thinks is cool. Uh, but then again, they kind of kicked him out of the club. They won't allow Tesla as part of the ESG uh, club. Uh, so do you think there's a sign there that there's some infighting? There may be some pushback. And look, the world is a very complicated place. Let me say that first and foremost. Elon Musk is also somebody just like Ray Kurzweil that says that overpopulation is a myth. So I, I think in order to get these kind of systems in, you need people to say, oh, don't worry. We're really not going to call everybody. We can have billions and billions of people on the planet. He talks about, for instance, population collapse. Kurzweil says, for instance, that we've only used 5% of the usable land. And once we hit the singularity, basically, everything's going to be gravy and we can live wherever we want because we'll be able to go to virtual reality. So we're not going to have to kill anybody. But yet, all of these other people and their institutions are doing a very opposite thing. They're saying the world is going to end unless we all get under this uh, climate system. But at the same time, like I said, that's not the end goal. The end goal is actually the virtual era. You know, let me bring up this uh, NASA document. So this is a future strategic warfare document, 2025. Dennis Bushnell this is the chief scientist. He's actually around pre-Apollo. We talked about the moon landing, uh, Gemini days. He's still the chief scientist there. And this is 2001 pre-9-11. Now, they tell you, welcome to the bots, borgs, and humans of 2025. We're pretty close to being there. Uh, he, all this factual. And you look at human species and the technological ages of humankind. Well, the bio-nano era, they say, enters in 2020. I would argue the injections that they started putting in billions of people were that bio-nanotechnology. The next level is the virtual age. And the virtual age is really their transhumanist nightmare come true, where a very few biological beings are still on the planet, them, the Uber mention, that they have used transhumanist technology, as Jared Kushner says, uh, like a month ago, to live forever. And the rest of us being fools and thinking that we can upload our consciousness to the machines and merge with them. This reminds me of the Matrix where people are basically asleep, but they're, they're in this other reality, this virtual reality. Um, yes, so fascinating to discuss this topic with you. We're going to take another quick break. And I want to wrap up by talking about how things have really shifted politically this week with all the debates as soon as we get back. Hey friends, Dr. Michelle and I are not celebrity doctors. You probably won't see us interviewed by Oprah, but we see wonderful results in the lives of our patients every single day. We see results. 
While most medical practices are focused on managing your symptoms, we help you find the root cause and find healing with proven and natural solutions. Will you take 12 seconds and go to Sherwood.tv and join our free newsletter? We'll keep you up to date on new interviews and practical tips for hope and health. Visit Sherwood.tv and subscribe. We're talking to Jason Burmis all about the deep state, uh, you know, desires of their heart that they want to have this different reality for us, a virtual reality for the peons, almost uh, that it's like a zombie slave race, so to speak. And then while they, I don't know, they're the master race that they just get to keep their biological bodies, I guess. Uh, so want to continue with this topic because uh, it seems like there are different factions of this deep state that... Uh, there's one faction that's very heavy-handed and authoritarian. Uh, they're basically like, they believe that the slaves should have no autonomy whatsoever, no free will whatsoever, uh, that they should uh, be able to control thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And then it seems like to me that there's a less severe uh, version of this, uh, this cabal that believes that uh, we shouldn't depopulate everyone, that we shouldn't go that far, but they still believe in technocracy, they still believe in the master race, they still believe in all of that. Have you noticed any defectors of this club? Uh, because it seems like there there is feuding. We, we talked about the short position against Tesla from Bill Gates. We talked about how he he's, he's thinks that there's uh, underpopulation, whereas most of the eugenicists believe that there's overpopulation. Have you noticed any other any other rifts between uh, groups? You know, I think that there's always going to be infighting, and you're certainly going to have like the social climbers out there. Uh, earlier, I mentioned the Bilderberg Group, for instance, and although you know some people say, "Oh, there is no real Bilderberg Group. There's just Bilderberg meetings." Well, I would argue, obviously, there's a Bilderberg Group, and they have this core member of board members that are essentially there for years and sometimes decades. Henry Kissinger, uh, David Rockefeller amongst them. Well, uh, of the emerging new crew that you had a uh, little over a decade ago, uh, two people in individually that I think that had some opposing value sets and were competitors in many ways, but saw the world of globalism and the need for this were Eric Schmidt, who was the representative of Alphabet and Google and very much a lot of these backdoor deep state contracts we were just talking to, and then Peter Thiel. And, you know, you couldn't have outwardly more of a political difference. Peter Thiel, for instance, is pushed as kind of like this libertarian-esque guy, but again, actions speak louder than words. He and Musk actually create the first set of digital money together, now that's being canceled, PayPal, uh, amongst other things, and moved into blockchain technology. He's also an, another guy that was very much behind Facebook and social media and then becomes uh, Trump's technology advisor. And when it comes uh, for somebody to back him during 2020 and what was obviously, in my opinion, a well-coordinated coup, uh, he said nothing and still says nothing, right? Uh, and then you have somebody like Eric Schmidt, who on the other side of that was pro-Hillary Clinton, Russians stole the election, you know, every talking point you could imagine. Now, I would say behind the scenes, there's quite a different reality, but they don't necessarily 
have the same vision of the future, but they're willing to work together to get there. That's fascinating because Peter Thiel continues to fund Trump, uh, Trump, 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 uh, pro-Trump candidates, uh, America First candidates, whatever you want to call them, uh, but very weak on talking about the uh, rigged 2020 election. Where do you think uh, Trump stands in all of this? Because uh, I know I've I've heard some of your commentary about Trump uh, saying, you know, there there is no grand scheme or plan to to save all of us uh you know that they're you know that we we need to really um as citizen patriots we need to stand up for ourselves now instead of being asleep at the wheel uh but does it seem like trump is one of those people who defected uh from the club Uh, because he's a billionaire you know he was he had a number one hit tv show you know he he was hobnobbing with the clintons and so forth. Uh, and now it seems like a different story. And it seems like, just like we talked about how Elon Musk is is playing the other side as far as on the population issue. Um, Trump is saying, no, there is no, the, he's anti-climate change uh, agenda, pro-fossil fuels, uh, pro, pro-national sovereignty as opposed to globalism. So uh, wh- what's your state, what's your view of, of Trump as far as, was he ever in the club? Uh, or, or where does he stand in your view? Well, to his credit, all those things you said about also getting us out of the uh, Paris Climate Accords, was, which was a good thing. Uh, but in regards to this climate agenda, he discussed at the World Economic Forum in front of a lot of these people that are obviously for it back in 2020. And it, it's one of the best speeches with most substance, in my opinion, that he's ever given. And here's the deal. Just to get to the level of billionaire, for instance, you have to be associated with some of these people. It's very hard otherwise. Maybe Thiel is a good example of a social climber that kind of has done it, but he's also worked with all these guys, right? Like Palantir behind the scenes is a huge military industrial complex contract, uh, amongst other things. And Trump positioning himself, I think, as kind of like this iconic character. He was the billionaire you wanted to be, Um you know, according to this, knowing certain people politically, and then the New York City slash WWF slash apprentice, you know, TV star thing also helped him. He was always very savvy that way. So I would say he was also an outsider in that respect, where as they had promoted uh, movie stars, et cetera, that before like Reagan, for instance, they're kind of malleable and really from the entertainment industry. Trump was a businessman at heart that understood the entertainment industry. And, you know, he leaned into the QAnon stuff when he knew that wasn't there. He knew on the way up uh, things to say of substance. For instance, him talking about Epstein with Sean Hannity. Well, it was under him that he gets arrested, but I would argue that was local police. And then after he commits suicide twice, Was there ever an investigation? No. Did he wish Ghislaine Maxwell well? Yes, he did. So it's very much a paradox. I think when push came to shove, for instance, Trump needed to do something with Assange, but he felt slighted when uh, Rohrbacher was sent there and Assange basically refused to give up his source, despite the fact Assange said, obviously, this wasn't the Russians. And we all know it wasn't the Russians. But again, we have to live in this weird imagination land where the media and the left wing will continue to do so. 
Well, I appreciate your analysis looking back at uh, Trump's life and trying to figure it all out. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to show some clips of the debates in New York and uh, Pennsylvania debates uh, for Senate. Very interesting clips as soon as we get back. Did you know that there is a community of human beings that live to be well over 100 years old? It's true. The Hunza people live to be anywhere between 120 to 140 years old. Their secret? Vitamin B17. At Richardson Nutrition Center, founder John Richardson and his family have made it their mission to add vitamin B17 back into the human diet. Vitamin B17 is found in over 1,200 foods in nature and has been gradually eliminated from the human diet throughout the past 100 years. Over the past 20 years, our products have helped customers with immune support, energy, heart health, and much more. At Richardson Nutrition Center, we have developed a product line to easily incorporate B17 back into your diet. Use your special American Media Periscope code AMP888 to receive 15% off your first order at rncstore.com. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, and I've been asking for months, and my opponent still can't finish this sentence. You can't expect her to ever fix it. But New York leads the entire nation in population loss because... She actually got asked this question by the media a few weeks ago when she was at Binghamton Airport. She probably would love to have a redo because she messed it up that time. For me, you ask me, why does New York lead the entire nation in population loss? Because their wallets, their safety, their freedom, and their quality of their kids' education are under attack. So they're hitting their breaking point. They're looking at other states like the Carolinas, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, and elsewhere, and they feel like their money will go further, they'll feel safer, and they'll live life freer. The state is at a crossroads. We were at a crossroads in 1994 when New York elected George Pataki, and we're at a crossroads right now. I but as far as what happens with Kathy Hochul and one-party rule for four more years, outsized power of self-described socialists, we need balance and common sense restored to all. Well, that's just a little taste of the recent debate, and it just seems like all of the facts and all of the issues are in favor of the conservatives of the Republicans. Uh, this is just so easy to trounce these uh, Democrats in these debates. This, maybe that's why Katie Hobbs and and uh, and, and uh, Federneck in Pennsylvania are so reticent to even debate at all. It's like Joe Biden in his basement during the last election. Um, so I want to ask you about this, Jason, because when I talk to you, sometimes there's some doom and gloom, right, of just how well-funded and organized uh, the cabal really is. And yet, it seems like there's a shift in, in momentum going on here for the midterms, uh, for all the America First candidates, that uh, we, the people, are winning on these issues of uh, protecting our children, of education, not having the indoctrination of the radical CRT and, and so forth, uh, that all of these issues are in our favor and we have more and more regular non-professional uh, candidates uh, who are not lifelong politicians running for office. Do you think we have a real shot here in the United States? Do you think this is a turning point? I sure would love it to be, but at the same time, we haven't done anything to stop the infrastructure. I can only hope that it is just such a massive wave against the establishment that comes out on a large scale and that the polls show that afterwards, that this cannot be stolen. I don't like the voting machines now, I didn't like them in 2004 when we were talking about Diebold, let alone Dominion. One person, one vote, 
physical ID on the spot, people counting them, technology empowering that, and not a, sick, a system that is hidden from the people, cannot be audited uh, in any way, shape, or uh, form, and uses fractional voting. That's an actual thing. Things like ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots. These things have not been resolved. So I'll believe it when I see it. And even when I see it, somebody like Lee Zeldin, I don't trust Lee Zeldin. Is Kathy Hochul awful? You bet she's awful. So is Andrew Cuomo. Take it from an actual New Yorker that left the state during the COVID-1984 uh, nightmare and went to Iowa. And someone who lived even through the Pataki years. You know, Pataki did some decent things. But at the, uh, at the same time, he restricted a lot of things. And New York throughout the state has become more and more authoritarian and enabled people like Cuomo to do what he did in that state, was, which was obviously disastrous. So we need to get a lot of these establishment politicians out there. I also watched some of the Fetterman debate, and Fetterman is awful. Again, talk about a exercise in humiliation. He was a terrible candidate before the stroke, but he physically can't speak. It's an embarrassment that they would continue. We actually have a clip, Jason, where we have one minute of the show left. So let's take a quick look at the clip. Small business owners who have told us that if the minimum wage were increased to $15 an hour, it would put them out of business. You have 30 seconds. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full time, you should be able to live in dignity as well. True. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being, uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying. Yeah, it's just when you see Oz giving such eloquent and fast responses, it's just no contest. That was the end of Fetterman last night. We've run out of time. I want people to make sure they check out your YouTube and your Rumble because you're putting out great content all the time, Jason. Really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you brought up the infrastructure issues in our system because only one side is talking about voter ID, getting rid of the machines, having paper ballots, and that's Republicans. So I do believe we have a spark of hope. And so I just want to say thank you for watching AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. We are America's Patriot-only network. Make sure you go to AmpNews.us and sign up for our free newsletter. Sign up for our premium portal to get that latest intel from John Michael Chambers and live events with Amp show hosts. Get my breaking news updates at SeanMorganReport.com. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliottphd.com. 
Now is the time to own physical medals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com.